connect with the Word this morning. I'm going to ask you if y'all would be gracious and allow me to sit. Can I do that? Okay. My back is uh, screaming right now in pain the last few days, and I thought I was okay, but the more I'm walking, the more it's hurting. And if I don't sit, Blake's coming. So if you want me to sit, I'll... Uh, and I gave Blake no notice that I did that. But I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm really excited about today's word. I just am not excited about the pain, the little fire going through my body. And it's not the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's just fire. Okay. Connect with the word. If you've been around Christ's community, you've probably figured out we're kind of a word-centric place. We love the word of God and we don't apologize for it. And the church said, amen. We're people of the book. Love the book. And in 21st century... Our world is connected in so many ways. In just a few moments, when I uh, am through preaching, we will go out to the pavilion, and there's a, the pavilion that's set up for you, and get your chairs and stuff out of the cars, and we're going to have a feast, man. We're going to connect, so we understand that. Our world connects every day through social media and uh, smartphones. I mean, how many of you spend a lot of time on your phone? And this is not bashing anybody, but every day, man, you grab your phone a lot. Just raise your hand high. Okay, did everybody in the room have their hand up? I mean, yeah. I mean, we just, we reach for those things. It'd be amazing if we would just reach for our Bibles about one-tenth as much as we reach for our phones. We'd be a holy group of people, wouldn't we? And, um, and you know, it's so great now through social media. This is not great if you're a shop owner, but I understand through some conversations and discussions, there's a real possibility if we don't have a tremendous Christmas season for retail and merchandisers i think you're going to see a lot of brick and mortar shops close in 2018 because the network the internet amazon all that i mean who wants to go shop and fight the crowds or go click and it's going to be there there's a little box sitting right outside my door i mean it's just changing so connecting we connect through the web we connect through relationships we just connect in all these ways and and yet i'm convinced that people are persistently alienated isolated so i'm not sure kind of the first installment of this series i talked about connecting community and i keep making a case for that let's build biblical community let's build small groups let's eat together over there let's eat spiritual food together let's just get together then i want to just say something i'm really gonna get to the subject here in a moment connected to prayer i'm always have been passionate about being an intercessor and today we got to participate in a corporate event called body life that's what we did when we prayed over one another and i was reading this thing in a newsweek cover story that says talking to god a gallup poll reported that 91 percent of the women and 85 percent of the men say they pray on a regular basis so they're saying women are more spiritual than men and the man went well, you didn't have to get a poll to tell me that and 57% of Americans in that poll said they pray at least once a day. There's some kind of religious uh, ritual that happens in their life. And the survey went on to say that 32% of the people who pray report that praying gives them a deep sense of peace. And others said it's not just a sense of peace, it's literally the very presence of God. You know, that's one reason I do body life around here, is I hope that you encounter God on many levels, through worship, through the Word, through prayer, through fellowship, through service. I don't know how it is that you connect. Sometimes you connect in all the above. Sometimes you connect in one of the above. Sometimes you might connect in none of them. But somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, 
I like your preaching, however, anytime you ever say however or but, I know something's coming. I love to come to Christ's community. It's the worship. Have others come. I love to come to Christ's community. It's my service. I love to come to Christ's community. It's body life. I love to come to Christ's community. It's the coffee, Charles. It's something. And, uh, and you know what? I, I figured out a long time ago, I only pray one thing happens on Sunday, that you encounter the living Christ. I mean, that's all that really matters. I had the lady come to me one time. She goes, you know, preacher, I like point one, three, and six. The other points weren't too good. And I, and, I want, and I wanted to give her a little piece of my mind, but I ain't got enough to give away, so I thought, okay. And, then, and, and I thought about it, and then she goes, and I didn't like any of the songs today. <laughs> and then she went on, but I like this, and, and I didn't like this. And man, she was just a complainer. And, and, and I thought, God, I need a spiritual revelation, or I'm going to take this woman out. We're going to be one less member. <laughs> and I thought of this thought, and, and it rang true. I said, did you encounter Jesus today? And she looked at me, she goes, I did. I said, job done, see ya. And I walked off. Because that's really all I care about. In the right chaplain, at the end of the day, if you encounter Christ, then we have done our job well to the glory of the King. And if you're going, I didn't encounter Jesus. So you, you encounter him different ways. Sometimes you come, in, you come in grumpy. You know what I'm saying? Turn to him and say, yeah, you do, grumpy. I'm so glad I'm not sitting back next to Donna right now. You know, but you know, sometimes we come at different points. But 15% in this study said they regularly receive definite answers to their prayers. And that tells me something. A lot of people are praying, but they're not sure that God hears. Reminds me of the story about the teacher one time that told them to write the missionaries. They, they had missionaries in the church and said, let's, let's write them. And one of the little girls in the class, she goes, oh, okay, I, I would love this assignment. So she said, and she wrote, Dear Reverend Smith, we are praying for you, but don't worry. We're not expecting an answer. You know, that's the sad thing in the church. When you pray, do you expect God to answer? Do you connect with Abba, Father, God, in meaningful conversation? No, not meaningful monologue, meaningful dialogue, where I talk and I listen. And I listen more than I talk. Man, that's hard for me. But we pray, we get connected. But then today, here's the whole subject, connect with the Word. Yeah, you know, I ask you, know, I'm not going to ask you today, but a lot of you, somebody already told me, says, man, I bring my Bible every week, preacher. You're like, I ain't getting caught without that thing again. I go, praise the Lord. And some of you are like, man, I got my phone, so pull your phone out, bring it, pull your device out, take the Bible from the person next to you. I don't really care, but we're in the Word. And the, the Bible says in many places, the law, the statutes, the commandments, the precepts of the Lord are perfect i was reading psalm 119 this morning just to get fired up for this and i'm not preaching on psalm 119 it's the longest psalm in the 150 psalms and he uses all those words over and over talking about how powerful the precepts the commands the statutes the, the decrees the laws the word of god is and that's what i pray this morning that you would just connect with the word because through the word, I think I find Christ. Look, look at the very top of your outline. Will you see that scripture emboldened in there? Can we just read it together? For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Isn't that a great verse? It tells me that this book breathes. This book is alive. This book is literally the voice of the Almighty. And God speaks through His Word. And I'm going to ask you over and over, when's the last time you heard the Father speak? When did the Holy Spirit speak to you? He speaks to me through other people. He speaks to me through creation. But He primarily speaks to me through His written Word, through the laws, through the statutes, that He judges, that He changes me. I was reading about a missionary this week, Brother Young, in China, and I got intrigued by a story and maybe you've never heard it he was 16 when he placed his faith in jesus christ and as he came to faith he started hungering for the word of god however his family in that village the bibles were not very common he didn't have a bible nobody in his village had a bible and he began to ask his mom more of who jesus was and in response his mom would tell him that jesus was the son of god and that he had recorded all of his teachings in the scriptures. Brother Young decided, I want a Bible. I want a copy of the Bibles. And he recalled that there was another man in another village that had a Bible. So he, uh, he would ask this guy when he would see him, he, and he'd say, hey, understand you have a Bible. And this other man was not ashamed of Christ, but he was afraid because people were beaten and imprisoned in China if they had, were known to have copies of the Scripture at the time of this story. So he just wouldn't share his copy of it. He wouldn't do it. So Brother Young, so he just told him, he says, I suggest that you pray and you ask God for a Bible. And you know what Brother Young did? This was impressive. He decided to pray and fast for 100 days. He ate one bowl of steamed rice daily. And I'm thinking, man, that's a spiritual giant. One day at 4 a.m. after fasting for 100 days, God gave him a vision, the story says. He was walking up a steep hill trying to push a heavy cart. At the same time, he was heading towards a village when he in intended to beg food for his family. He struggled greatly as he made his way up the hill. The cart was about to roll back and fall back on him, and he saw three men walking down the hill in the opposite direction. One of them was a kind old man, and he was pulling a large cart of fresh bread. And when the old man saw Brother Young, he asked him if he was hungry. He goes, are you hungry? And he, he said, yes, I am. And he started crying just incredibly. And he took the red bag of bread from his cart, and he asked the two servants that were along with him, give it to this brother, and he gave it to Brother Young. As he put the bread into his mouth, it tasted oh so good, it immediately turned into a Bible. And upon waking up, Brother Young began to search for the Bible. He searched all over the house. He searched all over the village. No Bible. And a faint knock on the door, and someone's calling out his name. And immediately when this voice called out, he recognized that voice as the same voice as the one he'd heard in the vision. He opened the door, and standing before him were two servants who had seen the vision, and one of them had a red bag in his hand. And in the red bag was the Bible. It was later that he found out the names of these two men, and he was incredibly grateful to them. But here's the thing. These men came, and they said, We have been looking for you, and we were asked to give you a copy of the Scriptures. And Brother Young started eating and meditating and chewing and devouring the Word of the living God. 
And then he got so excited about it, in 28 days, the story says that he memorized the book of Matthew in the first 28 days that he read it. He was, then he went on to memorize the book of Acts. And then the thought comes to me, wow, are we even Christians? What do we do with our Bibles? See, I'm a preacher. I have so many Bibles, I can't count them. I literally can't. I, I don't know how many I have. I, I have many. Greek, Hebrew, linear, interlinear, single, you know, just every uh, version known to man. I mean, I just have them, and I, I collect Bibles. I study Bibles. I read Bibles. Some of them I've, I've torn up. I've had to have two Bibles um, re, uh, rebound. Cheryl, thank you. I, I remember one time Cheryl came to my office. She goes, this is pitiful. In, in my Bible, literally, I mean, the pages were just falling out of it. She goes, baby, we got to do something. And I mean, of course, my kids and my wife buy me Bibles, and I buy Bibles, and I had other Bibles, but that was my favorite Bible, and I had another one. And she went and had them rebound. Hallelujah. And they have tears in them, and they have stains, and they have notes, and I love those. And then I, and I've got another Bible now. I'm not saying this for you, Cheryl, so don't go do it. I shouldn't say this out loud. She'll go do it. I've got another Bible at home, and it's falling apart, and it's time to get it rebound. But here's, here's what I'm saying about this. The Word of God should be so precious that we should begin to mark and underline and hide and read. And, and like, look at this one. I just realized, I mean, isn't this one looking kind of pitiful? And this one's just still together. But you see, there's just something about a Bible that you've read, that you've touched the pages. You see, in this Bible, I can pick it up and I can flip places quickly. And I pick up your Bible and you go, are you illiterate? I mean, I went to seminary, you think, man, this brother knows where everything is. But I'm telling you, when you've got a Bible that's worn, doesn't it feel good? Does the church go, uh-huh? And some of you went, heck no, I don't even read one. I look on my U version. I look on my device. I don't look at the scriptures. I don't carry one. I'm making a plea, guys. Get you a good Bible. Get you a good study Bible. I'm going to talk this morning. I've given you an insert. Did y'all notice you got an insert today? Oh, don't go there yet. But that's a tool that I couldn't get all my notes. I mean, when you got this much room to write on, that's pitiful. But I like it because it made me be succinct. And somebody said, yeah, your messages could get shorter. No, they can't. But anyway, it looks good. But I gave you an insert today. So how many Bibles do you have? Here, here's what I'd say about the Word of God. People are not connecting with the Word of God like they used to inside the church and outside the church because I'm afraid the church is becoming apathetic to the Word of God, and that is on us, church. And let's turn it around as the body of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's love His Word. Let's be unapologetically. I heard on, um, on uh, Caleb the other day, they've got a thing from Michael Tate and all them of uh, helping with the group. Uh, I, knew, I knew it was them. Yeah, Newsboys about bring your Bible to school or something. They're trying, they've got this big campaign, and I don't know, it might get you kicked out of school and come see Blake earlier that afternoon. I don't know, I'm just thinking. Some of you go to Christian school, you probably wouldn't get kicked out. At least I hope you don't. But here, here's, I wrote this down today, I thought it was sad. This book has lasted through wars. This book has lasted through burnings and atrocities. This book, the Word of God, is eternal. But some think that this book is tired. Some people think this book is out of date. But I declare, this book is the eternal word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it never fades. And it's never out of season. And as we read a minute ago, it always judges my thoughts and my attitudes. I want you to turn with a Psalm, chapter 1. 
I talked a little bit about Psalm 119, and I encourage you, just as you flip to Psalm 1, sometime when you're reading Psalm 119, highlight every time it says law, statutes, precepts, commands, word. It's amazing how much God loves His word and how He holds it up to us. But let's look over there at Psalm 1. A familiar psalm. I mean, if you've ever read the psalms, you probably started in one, so you've read it. And somebody said, I've read it a long time. I memorize it, but here it is. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, the Scripture says, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, I love this, I'd circle it, whatever he does prospers. That's the word of Jesus this morning, part of it for us. That our culture today scoffs and scorns and mocks and makes fun of the word and people that love the word. And my thing is, how do we respond to the word? It's always about a response as you follow Christ. I deny him, I follow him. I deny him, I obey him. Uh, Psalm 1 is really, it exemplifies that there's a proper attitude to have when you love the Word of God. And this one's really known, uh, it's the two paths that are available to people. The path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. And we get to choose which path we walk on. And I pray you choose the narrow path that leads to life eternal. Or you could, you, you could choose the, the broad road that leads to destruction and to hell eventually. And the, so the Bible, look back at the verse 1. Blessed. Right above the word blessed, I, I encourage you to write in your Bibles. If you really want to know in the Greek, it would be a better translation, happy. Happy are those that live the blessed life. Happy, it, it would say this uh, in Hebrew. Blessed are they that like the straight life opposed to the crooked life. God, make us people that love the straight way. The narrow way, not the crooked way. Happy there is that translation, Queen of Sheba, her exclamation when she saw Solomon's greatness. She talked about how happy here. So uh, we, we get into it. But then it says we could choose the, the path of the wicked, and that would be the path of the ungodly. That would be the path of, the, uh, of whoever that departs from God. That would be the path so some many times of our television, of our media, of, of whatever it's trying to cram down our throat magazines or whatever and so ultimately and i'm not trying to slam that we don't do that and it's okay a lot of it is but i would say where do we get our advice where do we get our counsel from and the father would say i want you to get counsel from me because my counsel is tried tested and true it's holy we were saying a minute ago holy 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 and we talked about in the throne room that's why I pray we would all choose to go individually every day. Lord, I want to go into your presence. Because in your presence, there's, there's peace. There's healing. There's comfort. There's direction. There's guidance. There's grace. There's judgment. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. So we, we stand here, we, we sit, we walk. So you've got two choices if you just want to ride out beside here. You live a regretful life or you live a blessed life. I was with a friend yesterday and he was telling me about a family member 
And his family member keeps saying, I have so many regrets. I have so many regrets. I regret, I regret, and I regret. And he says, I wanted to take her out. So I just got tired of hearing about all the regrets in her life. And here's the thought that's coming to me this morning. You and I can live a regretful life, or we can live a life that is blessed and holy and unto the Lord. And when we look back over our life, we go, I have no regrets. You're sitting this morning in one of my no regrets. It was 26 years ago. It was 22 years ago. It was 21 years ago in a few months. And I got down, and it was time to plant Christ community. And one of the biggest things that I, the six to nine months to a year that led up before 96 and 95 for this fellowship, I kept saying, Father, I don't want to have any regrets. Because see, guys, to plant a church was an enormous task. We didn't talk about planting churches in seminary, even though you think you would, but we didn't. When we planted this church, it was very unusual I mean, we were high-tech, transparency, and overhead. And I laugh now. I go, we have so many devices now. This place is so sophisticated. Our people work so hard. They're so smart. And I'm thinking, when we started gathering, we had transparencies and overhead. But you know what? Here's what drove me. I told Donna, I said, I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to turn 50 because I was 36. I was 37. I said, I don't want to think, what if, what could, what might, what should have happened. I wanted to know. And in great abandonment to Christ and faith in Him, we launched out and we planted a work that has literally been a church to the nations and has touched so many people. And I'm grateful for that. So if your pastor dies this week, I just want you to know, I have no regrets. Amen? And here's what I want to know. And yet our church is dwindling. We're smaller than we've ever been. The challenges abound and not going to sugarcoat it because I've just don't, I've never been a sugarcoater from day one. I'm not going to start sugarcoating now, okay? But I just want you to know, man, I love you. It's my honor to serve as your pastor in this season. It's been a long season. It's been a hard season in the last couple of years. But I've got no regrets because I think of heaven that's populated because of the work of this ministry. I think of the people that have grown in Jesus Christ, the people that are all over the world that serve the United States Air Force, that we have had ministry to them and them to us, and I go, a no-regret life. Guys, I, I got so much here. I just got so excited about that. I just had to say that. I, Holy Spirit, I, I got to listen to this again see what I said. Here's the bottom line. Don't live a life of regrets. Live a blessed life. Do you get the concept now? Look, let's fill in this outline. I got, I got some D's here. I got excited about these points. I thought they were helpful. Number one, some people doubt the Word of God. When it gets hard, when it gets suffering time, they don't hang in there, they bail. They, some people think that doubt is the opposite of faith, but it isn't. Unbelief is the opposite of faith, okay? But doubt, I've told you before, can spur on enormous growth spiritually. So sometimes we might doubt the word. And doubt can be okay for a season that it drives us to Christ. We act on our faith. Do you think Noah had any doubt when God said build an ark? I think he did. Do you think, do you think Abraham doubted when God said, I want you to offer your son Isaac to me? I think he did. Do you think David had a little bit of doubt when he faced that ugly giant named Goliath? I think he probably had a little doubt. 
When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, do you think Daniel had a little doubt? Maybe a little doubt. What about when Nehemiah was instructed to build the walls around Jerusalem? Do you think he had a little doubt? Probably. But in every one of those cases, they acted in faith, and God did enormous things that we read about. Look at the second one, duty. Some of you feel like it's just a duty because you hear me say it all the time. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. So some of you go, I'm going to read it because I don't want to go to hell. Well, that's not the best reason to just read your Bible. I'm going to read my Bible because my pastor told me. Well, that's not a bad reason. But some people read the Bible out of duty. out of uh, Here it is. They read it out of obligation, but they don't revere. They, they don't see that this is holy text, holy sacred writings. Look at the third one devoted some people are just devoted to god's word they spend time there and i hope we would all go there and as we spend time in god's word connect with the word the father of the word god speaks to me i hope every one of you go i know the voice of my father and he speaks and i listen and the Bible is essential for knowing the will of God if you want to live an abundant, fruitful Christian life. But let me show you the last D. This is my favorite. You delight in His Word. There's just that burning sense that there's an appetite. It's a honeycomb for your soul. It's sweet. You love it. I love it this. You're mentally and emotionally preoccupied with the Word. So let me give you an example. I'm going to stand it for just a minute, but it won't last. Do, do you remember, guys, when you were maybe in middle school and there was a beautiful young girl across the room? Do you remember when you mentally came alive? Hello? Now, don't raise your hand because you're like, I didn't marry her, so I'm not going to get too excited about it. Okay, so let's get this example. You remember when you saw the one you're sitting next to and when you mentally, emotionally went, whoa, and your heart goes, <laughs> do, do you remember that, guys? Guys, that's pitiful. Do you remember that, guys? Yes. You were enamored with her. You, you would, I remember, this is how old I am. I had the ugliest black dial phone in my room you've ever seen. And I could lay in the dark and I could dial Donna's number without looking at it. And I could call her and just to hear her voice. Oh, glorious. And then she came home from Auburn and I was still at Troy. She transferred to AUM. And we would call. And then it was long distance. And guys, it was expensive as rip. And we would call one another. And I remember the night that we were going to surprise, I was going to surprise her. And I decided to make an, a quick trip from Troy to Montgomery to see my girl. I got to Montgomery. I knocked on her door and her mom says, what are you doing here? I said, I came to see Donna. She went to surprise you. She's in Troy. <laughs> we got, we got, yeah, that's true. We got married later that year. It was a lot cheaper to marry her than to miss each other. You know? We didn't have, and I know none, young people are like, I don't understand, you're a dinosaur, man. I just get on my phone, I call internationally, and I Skype whoever, I Skype Brother Hun in China. Well, we didn't have those things, you know? But you see the principle, don't you? I was enamored. And, but I want, I want you to make it spiritual. Do you delight in this book? God, I can't wait to spend time with you this morning. 
This morning I was reading through the Gospel of Mark some, and then later I, I just turned over to Psalm 119, and the Spirit was impressing. Read Psalm 119, and I just read it, and I could have just stayed there for a long time, and I said, i, I got to go. <laughs> Lord, we'll come back, part two. So I think you see, the, you see the point, don't you? Delighting in the Word, here it is, just write this thought down. Delighting in the Word leads to spiritual stability. If you want to be stable in your faith, you have to choose, make a choice to be a person of the book that you love. You love biblical truth. You go there. Delighting in the Word feeds the desire to do the will of God. As I read and meditate and chew and listen on His Word, somehow I'm inspired to want to do His will because His will is revealed through the revelation of the Scripture. It renews my mind with, with truth. We always talk about here, have a transformed mind by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 1. It's like, God, truth is for us. Delight, grow, meditate. But it's not just enough to delight and meditate, and those are, are key. The essential part is, write this word down if you don't do anything else, obey. God, I read your word, you give a command, you give uh, an understanding, you, you give direction, now I want to obey it. To obey it is a blessing. To obey it is greater than sacrifice, Jesus said. So meditation, chewing on his word. Lord, I, I want to run after you. Um, I just think about uh, how much that we need the word. I remember in seminary class one time, one of the professors said that, there was like 30 of us in class at Emory, and he goes, uh, he said, probably about six to ten of y'all are going to finish strong in your ministry. You're, you're going to finish the rest of you won't. And I looked around the room, I'm like, dude, y'all got some hidden sin issues? What, what's this about? And he says, man, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, and a lot of you will choose not to. And I've looked over the years, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But then I read this story by Steve Farrar. He wrote a book, he used to be a great promise keeper writer, and he wrote about finishing strong. And he tells a story about a, 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 a seminarian, he was in school, or he it was a young pastor, and somebody had challenged him that, uh, to think of all the people that were walking with Jesus, walking well, write their names down. And he wrote them down. He says, but over the next several decades, I want you to go back and see how many are still walking with Christ. And he realized that he'd written down all these names, but because of poor decisions and affairs and worldliness and greed and lust and all kinds of things, they were checking out. And I'm just wondering, guys, if we don't become people of this book, We'll check out. We'll lose our fire. We'll lose that fire in our bones that the prophet Jeremiah talked about if we don't stay connected to the Word. And the church said, I've got to stay connected to the Word. It's just, it's just important. Um, this middle section, I realize I'm not going to be able to do it, so I'll come back another day. I just I, I put it down there. It's a great parable for you to choose on of the souls. And I, I just want you to look at it. I want you to study it because I, I want to move on to something. But I want you to just see there's three hearts there, the hard heart, the devil himself, the shallow heart. God calls us to the fertile soil, to the soil that produces a fruit, you know, up to a hundredfold. I mean, it's just the response of Jesus. It's what God wants, that we receive the, the word of Christ in our hearts. And that's what I'm trying to hammer on today, the being people of the book. I had the privilege of hearing Dr. Howard Hendricks a few times that taught at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he was a tremendous communicator chaired christian education there at dts and i remember every time i'd hear him 
They called him Howie, Howie baby. And this guy had such a grasp of Jesus and the scriptures. And he would talk about how much to, to hide God's word in your heart, how much to love God's word, how much to obey God's word, and how that would be an incredibly fruitful life that there'd be no regrets. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about Howard. I'm, he, he's dead now. He's, he's going to be with Jesus. But he, you know, this whole thing of the fruit, it's like they'll know we're believers by the way we love, but they'll know we're believers because there'll be fruit because we literally accept the word of God in our hearts. If you have welcomed the gospel into your heart, if you have opened your eyes to the good news, God has inclined your heart. And that's what I pray today. God, incline my heart and all my friends that we would be doers of the word, that we would just connect with the word. Lord, when everything's falling down, there is one that is eternal and it is you. Whom do I have in heaven? but you, God. And Lord, I have your sacred text to guide me in this life, and your Holy Spirit speaks loud and clear. I hope today that somebody's getting a revelation, that somebody's thinking. Uh, listen to this story. I've got to tell you this story. I thought it was so great about how amazing the Bible is. There was this little girl in France, and she was blind. She had attained the Gospel of Mark. Somebody gave her a copy of the Gospel of Mark in Braille. And she began to read it with the tips of her fingers. Because, you know, that's what they do in Braille. Our, my, my best friend, his wife is blind, and she has all these Braille texts, and it's just amazing to watch. But this little girl had such a passion for the gospel of Mark, for the word of God, that she literally, she would read them by the tips of her fingers, and they just, uh, they became calloused. And they became so calloused, she quit being able to make out the letters so then, if she couldn't discern the letters, she cut the ends of her fingers, hoping that she would somehow increase sensibility to the nerves, to, to the fibers that were firing. But in that, it went south. And then she was devastated. She goes, I can no longer have the Word of God read it to myself. So one day as she was doing this, she grabbed the Bible, and she pulled it to her lips, and she went... Farewell, farewell. But as she did, she felt the braille letter with her tongue. And she began to read the Word of God with her tongue. And I tell us these stories today because I need to be reminded how precious this book is. And some people have given their lives for this book. Some people have gone to great cost to get this book. And even a little blind girl speaks to me about how precious is the Word of God. Is this encouraging anybody but your pastor today? Wow. Just wonder if she's got a front row in heaven when she gets there. And Jesus goes, little girl, you love my word and I love you. Jesus said it one day. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Lord, today I pray that your book would be habit forming. There'd be a loss of anxiety in our lives. We would get a decreased appetite for sin, lying, cheating, lusting, hating, stealing, whatever it is. But you would increase our feelings of joy and love and grace and peace and compassion. God, I, I know that you're more than able. So this morning, I'm asking you, move down to the three evidences here quickly with me. Number one, 
You hear the Word of God and you accept it. You know, that's what I pray today, is that we begin to embrace the Word more and we obey the Word as we embrace it. And that the Word of God, if you go back to this parable of the soil, it'll, the Word will fall on fertile soil in my heart and my heart will produce a crop that I'm incredibly fruitful for Christ. And the second point would be this. You bear fruit. As the Spirit of God indwells you, Galatians 5, that you bear fruit. As the Word of God fills my mind and my heart, I walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to know my brothers and sisters are walking in faith. You know, that's really, at the end of the day, I pray you know Jesus and you walk with Him all your days. And you influence everybody you can for the Savior. And it'll be a testimony for Christ until we gather on the other side. So here, here's a thought. Just write it down. Am I growing? Nobody can answer that question for you but yourself. Am I growing? And here's the good news. If you say, honestly, I wrote growing, but I ain't growing. I got some weeds. Then today, repent, turn to the Word, and say, God, give me a new appetite for the Word. So, let me do this with you real quick. How to get in the Word. Pull that, pull that outline out. Pull, pull that insert. This is just a great tool. It's easy. It's simplistic. It's rudimentary, elementary, but it'll help. Uh, get a translation of the scriptures you can understand. I suggested some, but there's others. And I just encourage you to get the copy of the scriptures. I don't ever run around here going mandating, thus saith the Lord, you must read King James only. Thus saith the Lord, you must read New American Standard. You must read this. I had a guy came to my office one day, and he got in my face and goes, he'd been here six years, and he goes, how dare you not preach out of the KJV every weekend it's the only inspired version of God. You know where I'm going, don't you, chaplain? I looked at him, I said, do you know Greek and Hebrew? That's not fair. What do you mean that's not fair? You're the one that started? I said, man, this is a translation of the Scripture later. But here's the thing. I just want you to read the Scriptures. If you read the Scriptures, I think God will speak. Hey, get a good study Bible. There's a lot of different ones. I'd be glad to talk to you about that. I don't encourage people to start at Genesis 1. I, we did have a guy here a few years ago. Genesis 1 worked for him. Most people, you read Genesis 1 and you keep building for a while. time you get Leviticus, you usually go, Preacher, I like you, but Leviticus got a little hard. Don't get it. Hey, I went to seminary. I still don't get Leviticus, okay? I, I do, but I, it's not my favorite book. Okay. I encourage you, every new believer, read the book of John. Read the Gospel of John. Read the book of Romans. We did a whole thing last this summer. I talked about read the Proverbs. I preached through Proverbs. told you read the Proverbs every day. There it is. Then read Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, whatever. It's the quality, not the quantity. Here's one. Just write this, and this is free. Read the Bible slowly. You know, your preacher was so gifted one time, he thought he would read the Bible in 90 days. I about killed myself. It's kind of hard to read it in 90 days and get a lot of thought. I mean, you can do it academically, but, but when you're reading it for intake, it's, it's not good. So I just encourage you, strive to read it. You know, read it 15 minutes a day, up from there, 10 minutes, whatever. Here it is. Fill in the blank. Make it a habit. Make it a holy habit. God, I love your word. I just want to read it. Hey, join a weekly Bible study. We have a lot of women in our church that are in a thing called BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. It's phenomenal. 
They have mornings and night classes. They have men's studies and women's studies. A great thing. We have small groups here. I encourage you to join in small groups. In small groups, you will get the Word of God. You will build relationships. You will grow in your faith. In the church, everybody's in small groups said, See, you ought to go, wow, they said that emphatically, man. I want to join one of those small groups. And then here, ask questions. You know, everybody tells me that. You know, preacher, I want to come to that small group, but you're going to ask me a question. I'm probably not. I could. I know this. I think I can say this for Tullus. I can say this for Bethany. I can say it for Dave. I can say it for Eric. I can say it for uh, Melissa. I think I can say it for every one of our leaders. We would never intentionally ever embarrass anybody in a small group setting. Our goal is to be your friend and to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus together. I mean, I mean, Tim and Chrissy and, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know all the leaders that charity and all the different ones work with blake they work with their youth i don't i don't think they go in there let's see if we can embarrass the youth tonight man we just want to grow guys here's bible resources you version whatever bible gateway that's still one of my favorites i used to, i've got all these bibles that are interlinear and they're parallel bibles and they got and my aunt that died she uh she gave me this bible one time it weighs uh, 37 and a half pounds and it's it's monster and I was excited about it because it had four translations. I used to carry that thing around. And man, when Bible Gateway came out, I went, forget that. <laughs> Just look up any translation I want with a click. Guys, I don't, I don't know if this tool right here helped you. Do you think this tool right here might help you? I don't know. I, I, I just want you to know as your pastor, I care about you. I love your soul. I want you to feed your soul. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the word that is alive and vibrant and dynamic. And Lord, I pray that you would feed us and that we would learn to feed ourselves and that we would grow in grace and grow in fellowship and we would love one another. And God, we'd be the church. And God, we'd start checking out what the book says and then, Lord, we'd study the Word. When we don't, we'd ask questions. And when we don't ask questions, we'd go study. But God, we would just learn to be like Jesus. God, I thank you for this fellowship that's about to begin. It is going to be fun. Lord, why would anybody want to go spend money today? It's free over here. Lord, just help us to have a good meal and have a good time. God, I pray today a big prayer. Let everybody meet somebody new today. Let us give them somebody's story that we've never heard. Lord, we love you. And Jesus, keep us close to the word. Give us faith today, God. If we don't know Christ, I pray today you'd walk up to somebody out there and go, hey, do you know Jesus? What, what is that Jesus thing? Lord, let us have conversations today that are kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen.